I'll start now. Um, it comes out of the Josh Jen famous favorite verse, which is Acts 2.42. That's the verse. And Acts 2.42 is our go-to verse. And Acts 2.42 says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They didn't devote themselves to the apostles. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, they did devote themselves to the apostles, obviously, but they acknowledged that what the apostles were doing were teaching what Jesus had taught them. So the teaching was the key thing that they received. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, there's more than one apostle. Andrew is the apostle, that over, but we've got other apostles. We've heard another one this week, Ryan. We have had another one, Brad. We've had Jonathan. They are apostles, and we should devote ourselves to their teaching because they have a gift from God that is unique to the church. And I'm going to show you that if we don't devote ourselves to the teaching of the apostles, we get into what I call a drift, Andrew's favorite word. What does Andrew say? Uh, um, does this make sense? And I, I'm new in Josh Jen, and I listen to the Oaks, and then they talk, does this make sense? I thought, Andrew, does this make sense? I haven't got that yet. I haven't really copied that. But devotion is a very strong word. It's not just, oh, well, we came when we... They devoted themselves. And devotion means this. Being devoted means that you have to get over your self-centeredness. And you have to get over your selfishness. And you have to place your concern on another person or another thing, whatever it is that you love. Listen, being a pastor is very inconvenient. Seriously. You get phoned. I got phoned at 2 o'clock in the morning. And the person said to me, were you sleeping? I said, yes, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, you Wally. Oh. I'm sorry to wake you. I think, what do they think? We don't sleep. <laughs> Angels take us to the loo. I mean, what, what do they think? I'm a human being. I need my sleep. These young oaks in my house, grief. I'm so tired. I'm so glad I can take him home tomorrow and catch up on my sleep. I'm joking. But, but it's being devoted. It's being devoted. It's being devoted. It, to be devoted means to cling to Jesus to persevere steadfastly with him. And these guys devoted themselves. There are three things. There's a passion to obey. Now listen to me. In today's world, that sounds like a sect. Oh, we get nervous. Because people hate to be told, this is what the Bible says, and this is what you have to do. You see, apostles today, there's some that call themselves apostles. They're not apostles. Can ostriches fly? Can turkeys fly? No. They are turkeys. They can't fly like apostles fly. They call themselves. There are lots of people who call, I'm apostle. I went to a little conference once and I told them that I planted churches and the guy from the congregation said, you're an apostle. I said, no, I'm not. No, you're an apostle. I said, no, I'm not. I'm a dad. I'm a father. I'm an old guy. I just father people. I'm an apostle. So my gift. I don't see things like Andrew sees them. When he says them, I think, 
I know that. But I don't know that. Why don't I know that? It's because I haven't seen it like the apostle sees it. And God gives the gift of the apostle to the church. And it says this, they devoted themselves. This is very key. They, they devoted themselves. They weren't coerced. They weren't told, you have to do that. They weren't forced to do it. They devoted themselves. You make the decision. I make the decision. I devote myself to the apostles' teaching. I've been in an apostolic field for over 30 years called New Frontiers. In Africa, it, was, it began to be called New Frontiers. <laughs> New Frontiers. We thought it was a great name. And I learned many things apostolically. But I joined Joshua Generation nearly four years ago. I'm telling you, I've seen apostle, the, the, the gift of the apostle function like I haven't seen it function before. I thank God for the apostles. And I'm devoting myself to that. I planted a church in, 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 in where it's called, Musenberg. I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I'm serious, and I had very little apostolic help. And I look back now, and I think, if I knew then what I've learned now, it would have been very different. By the grace of God, it's going to be 30 years old this year, and it's still going but they devoted themselves. They were motivated because of a love for Jesus. And the motivation came out of Acts chapter 2 verse 1 to 4. That's where the devotion came. Their motivation. You've got to stay with the program, brother. Um, you know, you can't, you can't nod off here. Yeah? When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. You know, suddenly the sound of a blowing wind. Right? And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Lord gave them utterance. They were moved by the Spirit to be devoted because they'd walked with Jesus and these men were appointed to teach what Jesus had taught. And Jesus taught the Word of God. So the apostles haven't got a new teaching. They've got the same teaching, but they've got a gift that unwraps the thing for you and me to understand what it means. And I'm going to show to you why we need the apostles, they were moved by the Spirit. If you're not moved or motivated by the Spirit to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, it's going to become a discipline with no joy, and it becomes a legalistic, religious exercise that you tick off because you've been to the gathering. How was it? Well, you know, it was all right. No, you're not devoted to their teaching. Go to the, go, you must come to the conference. As, as you said, the conference is sold out. It's too late. Too late. Can you believe it? The conference in two months' time. There's no more seats. I'm so glad I do things quickly, even at my age. And I know how to do it. On, on, on me, online. Quick it. What's it called? I'm so proud of myself when it says... And then you, they give you 15 minutes. It's for old chaps like me. And then, and then the, oh, the time, the time, the time. And then it says, and your ticket, and then you get an email, and I'm like, hallelujah. I, I, I did that. I did that. Because I am pathetic when it comes to all this new stuff. I can send a WhatsApp. I even can send a photograph. Now I'm, I'm, I'm improving. I didn't know how to take a selfie. Can I make a confession? I'll make a confession. During lockdown, you know, when we did those morning devotional things, Kim phones me, said, Jeff, we want to do the morning devotions on a Saturday. Oh, 
um, like I'm new, Kim, and like uh, he said, and um, if you don't know what to do, get hold of Howie. I, I didn't even know there was a Howie. <laughs> Howie, Howie. So what I do is I get hold of Howie, and he gives me some, he said, sit down in a nice comfortable chair, get your, your coffee table, put some books on top of the coffee table, get, the, get your phone at your level, don't put it down there because people are going to look up your nostrils. Don't put it up there because they're going to see, you know, just in front of you. And then you, you go for it. That's a little bit. I, d- I didn't know how to take a selfie. So, so I phoned Ross. He said, Brew, on your phone, go to your camera, yeah, and on your phone there's a little button, yeah, push that. What do you see? Now, this is all set up. I see my coffee cup. No, Brew. It's live. It's going live. It's on Facebook now. We're going live. I'm practicing. No, no, no. There's another button. Push. Yeah, what do you see? The coffee cup. Because how we said, just rest your phone up against a big coffee mug. You know, they won't see it. But all I'm seeing is the coffee mug. No, no, no. Ross is trying his best. Nordine, you know, Mac and Nordine phones me. She said, please never delete that. That is the funniest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> My brother phones me. He said, what are you trying to do? I said, I'm trying. I thought you had to turn the phone around to take a selfie. I'm serious. Then I learned. So then you sit in the lounge and you say, morning, everybody. And everybody says, whoa, he's good. You don't know the drama I went through. I got ulcers. Preaching, speaking. We devote ourselves. The Lord always provides a pattern if he's going to do things. We're going to go to, we're going to go to Exodus now. When Moses, Uncle Moses went up on the mountain to receive the pattern, God downloaded to him what he had to do to build the tabernacle. The tent. And Peter likens this body, this physique of mine, to a tent that's, that's wasting away. <laughs> Thank God for that. Um, you know, wasting away. It, it's getting old. You build a tent. And this is what he said to him. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. When God wants something for himself, he gives us a pattern or model. Go to the next one. 20. See that you make them, all the stuff that's going to go in, according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. And the next one, just so that it's in, see, set up the tabernacle according to the plan shown you on the mountain. Moses, this thing must be like I want it. Moses said, yes, Lord. He showed David a, 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 a it took, it, how long did it take Moses to build that? Do you know? Six months, just for information. Six months. Solomon was given instructions by Daddy David to build the temple. 1 Chronicles 28. Then David gave his son the plans. David wanted to build the temple. And God said, no, your son will build the temple. God gave plans. He gave him the plans of, for the portico, its building, its store. Its upper. He gave him the plans of all that the Spirit had put in his mind. There was a plan there was a model that God wanted that the temple had to be, and all the measurements. Have you read the measurements? I mean, it's so, it's so like finicky. Why? Now, it had to be that big, that high, this, and that gold, and this not gold, and that. It was, it was detailed to the last degree. Go to the next one. All this, David said, I have in writing 
from the hand of the Lord upon me, and he gave me understanding in all the details of the plan. So they built the temple. They built the tabernacle, Moses did. The people followed the tabernacle, and they built the temple. When they were in the wilderness, the tabernacle represented the presence of God, yeah? You know, when they camped, they camped around the tabernacle. Three tribes to the north, three tribes to the south, the south, three tribes to the south, three tribes to the east, three tribes to the west. They camped around the presence of God. So when they stopped, the presence of God was in their midst. Then they built the temple, and we know. And after each event was fulfilled, like God wanted to do, it says that the power, the glory, the presence of God came down so that the priests couldn't do their duties. It pleased God that they built this thing according to his plan. The church has a plan. God has given us a plan to build his church. And when we look at the church today in the world, it does not follow the plan of God. It follows constitutions. It follows man's ideas. And we have popes and cardinals and bishops. And we have senior pastors and senior lady pastors and senior elders. We have all these things. It's not in God's plan. God gave the church a plan. And apostles help us to stick to the plan. Can you say amen? And this is the plan. God gave us a plan. Let me turn the page. Acts 2.42 is the plan. The power of God, the presence of God fell on the day of Pentecost. And they knew God downloaded something to them. This is how we do it. We devote ourselves to the teaching. Like you do. We do. I hope you do. You devote yourselves to prayer. You devote yourselves to the fellowship. And you devote yourselves to the breaking of bread. One of the things the church, it's my personal conviction, we don't do well is breaking bread. We, we must have a whole meeting, a whole meeting for breaking bread. We sing songs about the cross and the blood, and we preach about Jesus and the cross, and we remember what Jesus did for us. We mustn't break bread and say, oh, by the way, if you want to, there's some you know, little things there at the back. No, no, it must be central. It's one of the ordinances Jesus left for us. Do this in remembrance of me. Why? Because we've got forgetteries. We forget what Jesus did. So the foundation for the building is found in Ephesians chapter 2, 19 verse 20, 22. And he's warned me that computer is a bit like me, a bit slow. <laughs> Consequently, you're no longer foreign, foreign aliens, but fellow citizens, blah, 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 built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. That's the foundation. Every church that gets established must have the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Some churches don't even believe in apostles. They don't even believe in prophets. What is their foundation? They say, it's the word. Well, bully for you. But that's not the model Jesus wanted. And I'll explain to you why. He wanted apostles and prophets to be the foundational gifts in the life of his church. We call a body. We're a body. What did um, Ryan say last night? Have you got a finger? Have you got a finger? 
I've got a problem with the shoulder, so I didn't unscrew this arm this morning and leave it at home because it's giving me uphill. Because when I slept last night, I slept it a bit dead. It's part of me. It's my body. And some parts are... I won't go there. We're called a body. Romans 12, 4 to 5. Just as each of us is one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. You belong to me. I belong to you. I'm going to spend eternity with you. You better get to like me now. It's going to be a long time. It's going to be a long time. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 14. Another scripture that just encourages us. The body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. Now, why did God call the church a body? I'll tell you why he called it a body. Because it's about people. It's about people. It's a, the body. This is living. Are you living, Penelope? Glory to God. You see, she doesn't sit here dead. She's alive. So God says, it's, the church is like a body. It's alive. It's got life. I don't just go to church and we, 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 had, we had used to have prayer meetings on Saturday morning. I'm not kidding. This lady would arrive for the prayer meeting, very faithful, every Saturday morning, sit on this couch, and within three minutes, she was sleeping. She slept through the hour prayer meeting and then said, oh, what a wonderful time. <laughs> no, that's, that's not living. That's not living. No, the, the body is a living organism. The church is not an organization. It's an organism. It just happens. The body just happens. This young man, went, he did the youth at Weinberg on Friday. I'm organizing my life to, I, they said, look, maybe half past nine we'll be there. I said, you guys, he and Neil Steenkamp, who's in our congregation and helping. Do you, you guys, half past nine we'll be back. Do you want supper? Well, is the Pope Catholic. You know, yeah. Folks like this, do you want supper? Of course we want supper. I organize supper, come back early to make sure they're there, and I wait. And I wait. And I wait. And I wait a quarter to 11. Sorry we're late, man. You could have, no, our batteries went flat. That's what they said. You know, being a good Christian, I didn't question. But they, they functioning. They're a body. This body was getting tired. They slept. You don't want to know what time they slept on. This old guy was up early because when you wake up, you get up. That's my philosophy. 5.50. Next morning, after midnight, we go to bed. 5.50. Jing awake. Okay, up. Okay. There's just nothing happening in that room. <laughs> but it's a body. We do together. Some old, some young, some fat, some thin, some were models, some will never be. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's the body. It's a living thing. It's an organism, not an organization. It's about people. It's involvement. It's harmony. It's variety. Because Jesus is this amazing God who is very, very, very creative. We had words this morning, tongues, interpretation, songs. Thank you, Bryce. It's just, it's amazing. That's the body. Then he calls us, he says, he says, we're a bride. We're a bride. Our bridegroom is preparing us for a wedding day. We are being prepared. When I do weddings, when I used to do weddings, I never watched the bride. About my wife would say, oh, her dress. I can't remember what the dress was like. You know, beautiful. Oh, it was beautiful. Was it off the shoulder? I don't know what it was. I watched the guy. They stand in front, you know. 
They, they stand like this first. And then the music starts. Then he turns around and he sees her. He goes, The breakers break into tears because the bride has prepared herself. She's made herself ready. And he is over the moon. He thinks, ah, ah, it's too much. And he cries. It's beautiful. And Jesus is preparing us. And when we see him, folks, oh, and we catch, the, the joyful is we catch glimpses of him now. That's what he wants, a bride. Ephesians 5, 31 to 33, talks about the bride. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. And it is that we are going to get married to Jesus. He's preparing us as a bride. You can say amen. Revelation 21, 2. I saw the holy city coming down out of heaven prepared as a bride beautifully dressed one day one day again it's people it's living it's purity it's holiness it's being set apart it's a love relationship with the bridegroom who is Jesus we call it a family Ephesians 2.19 you are no longer foreigners aliens but citizens of God's people and members of God's household we're a family we're a family. We're a family. Again, that's people. It's openness. It's settling differences. It's family. You say, the elders didn't listen to me. I was sick and nobody visited me. Shame. Get over it. They didn't do it on purpose. They didn't say, oh, she's sick. Bad luck. Did you tell anybody? Um, no. How did nobody know you're supposed to be in a com? Yeah, well, I don't really go to com. Well, don't blame anybody else. Settle your differences. We build it together. It's, it's loving. It's caring. It's showing tenderness. I've got to love him. He's living in my house. I've got to love him. He's, he's easy to love. It's a family. It's a building. We call it a building. We are being built together. Peter calls it living stones. So when you get a stone to build with and you want to fit it into a specific place, guess what? So like a brick, you just lay the bricks, all the same size, easy, when you build. No, you build with stones. This one doesn't fit. Bring it here. I want to chip some off there. Be pardon? Now we've got to clean that up if it don't fit. And sometimes we don't fit into the thing God wants us to fit into. So he chips away at us. Do you like that? No, I hate that. But that's what God does. He's a building. He's building us into something that the world will take notice of. The church is not going to go at the end of the age with a whimper. Oh, well, that was the church. No, we're going to shine. And the world will see. And people will come. And they will be forced to bow the knee. And they will be forced to declare that Jesus is the Lord. They'll be forced to do it. Because, and, and we're building that. We're being built into that. It's called the church. The hope of all the world. That's why we want to be obedient to the Acts 2.40 thing. Devoting ourselves. If we're not, if we're not obedient to the teachings of the apostles, this is what happens. We drift. Now, I don't know. Who have you got saved in Joshua generation? Okay. So, most of you came from another situation, another church. 
I came from a church situation where it was very legalistic. It was, people were so narrow-minded they could look through a keyhole with both eyes. You'll, you'll get it. I was in a church that was like a teaching center, like a lecture hall. We arrived on Sundays, and there it was. There was a hymn board, hymn 347, Bryce will know. Do you remember, Bryce? You're too small. You're too, your dad now. Your dad will know. He'll know. We, we, we talk about it. A hymn board. Three hymns and a her, I used to say. 347. And then, and then it's a beautiful hymn, and it tells such beautiful truths, and then they'll say, we'll sing verses 1, 3, and 5. Up Why? Because we've only got an hour. We can't sing all the verses, because Uncle Fred, sorry, that's your granddad, I won't say that, Uncle John, I hope it's not your grandfather, is like a pillar in this church, and he, and he determines that it's one hour. I need to speak to Uncle John who says he's the pillar because the problem is the pillars never move. And Uncle John needs to learn to move with what God wants to do. And it becomes a teaching center. And a teaching center is dry and it's just got nothing to it. It's a lecture hall. The words expounded, it's excellent, full of truth. But it makes you sleepy, man. It's, it's, got, a, it's got like an opium in it. And it just puts you to sleep because there's no life. There's no life of the Spirit. They do it properly. They, 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 there's little spontaneity. There's none of what we do. Come to the front. Oh, you go to the front. No, the pew. That's your, that's your boundary. Um, you, you, very little family feel. Very little body ministry. It's a congregation like an audience. So we come and sit and it happens. We sing and the choir sings. It's beautiful. And you preach and then you go home. And you leave just like you came. That's what the church becomes. And if you look around, I'm not knocking any church. But maybe you came out of that situation and you were well taught. People come to me and say, we, we just want the word, brother. I don't know what you mean. We give you the word every week. People said, yeah, I, just, I want the deep things. I said, listen. The secret things belong to God. The things revealed belong to us. Are you doing the things revealed? How well are you doing those? Well, don't worry about the secret things. Just do the stuff you know. That's the word. Jesus said, now you know these things, you'll be blessed. No, he didn't. He said, if you do them. You won't be blessed if you don't do them. Look at this man. Eh? Sure. I'm, I'm warming up now. Jesus said, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed. If you do them, if you don't ask the Spirit of God to help you get devoted to the apostles' teaching, I'm telling you now, you will find fault with it. You will find fault with it. There's another organization that the church becomes. It's called the corporation. Ooh, that's organized. That is like slick, flick, personified. Highly programmed, super efficient, Choirs, programs, lights, smoke machines, big bands, senior pastors, other pastors, little room for ministry, little room for even the work of the Spirit. It's like a show. No apostolic or prophetic input into that church at all. There's the man of God. Hallelujah. No, it's not God's model. 
It's not God's model. And they attract people. And you know why? It's an entertaining time. We sit there and we listen and we watch. My kids, one, of, one set of them went to one of those churches and their daughter, was, it was time for the daughter to be dedicated. And we all went, my late wife and I, off we go to the church. And there's all these people, there's about 20 couples with kids. And the senior minister says, and Bailey, praise God, Bailey. Where, where's Bailey? He doesn't even know who Bailey is. He's not even made an effort to meet them before the event. Who's, who's Bailey? I sort of want to get out my seat and say, listen, Brew, you know, get a life. This is not what Jesus wants you to build. It's not about you. Know your people. You're not caring for your flock. So you get like a lecture hall or a teaching center. It's okay. But as my good friend James Yenna said, it's, it's like a savanna. It's, it's dry, but you can drink it. You know, it's, there's nothing wrong in the sense of the content. It's all, you know, those lecture halls. They, they, they're well skilled. They're well versed in the understanding of theology. They're good. But man, it's just boring. Eh? I mean, they, some of those churches have got so many deacons, they, they're deacon possessed, I'm telling you. <laughs> and then, and they, they don't have elders, it's just deacons. Everybody's running around serving, making everyone you just sit. And I remember I was in that church. And the one Sunday morning, I thought, I'm going to be bold. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go with a tie. Went and sat down. And I could, f- I, my flesh was burning from the eyes. I could feel it. And I remember the shirt I wore. I mean, it was like, oh, my Lord, what have I done? Now, come here. When I started the bay, I used to wear a tie. Good pictures, wearing a tie. Then I got rid of the tie. And then I got into jeans, and one old guy said to me, oh, so we're getting to that space now, are we? Because <laughs> people come from different, we've got to help them. That's why Andrew said, we're going to do this, the new orientation course. Why? Because how many people have joined Joshton in the last six months? 600 and something. You came with baggage. I came with baggage. I had ideas. I thought it was like that. I'm learning. The apostles are teaching me how it should be. And if they don't teach me, I drift back to what I know. When Peter, when Jesus was crucified, they, what did Peter say? He said, I'm going fishing. Why are you going fishing? Because that's what I used to do. I feel comfortable doing that. And what did they say? We'll come with you. We'll come with you. And that's what happens in our spiritual life. If we don't get devoted to the things of God, the way God wants us to be devoted to them, we drift. And we go. We're just satisfied with a word, whatever. Or we go and get entertained. What's it like a theater? Where the sacraments are oaks in gowns, dressed like mothers, asked to be called father, and that works. <laughs> Little smelly things, candles. I'm sure somewhere, maybe long ago, if you were in one of those churches, I'm, don't get upset. You know, you know, praise God. I went to a funeral and the guy was walking, what's that thing called? 
is it incense? It smells terrible. And it went out. I said to the guy next to me, Jesus has left the building. We've got problems. Because, you know, that was Jesus. It's, it's all weird. It's, all, it's a theater. And you go and you watch the theater. I went to a funeral. I didn't know what was going on. I'm a pastor. I thought, how relevant is this to the world? Then you get the social club. We all gather and it's all like, and we fellowship. We never speak about God. You never speak about the things of God. You never say, let's pray for each other. You know, it's just social. And it's easy to, dr- to, to drift into those things if we don't watch it. Even sitting in Joshua generation, in our minds and in our hearts, we drift. And then when we call something, we say, come on, your heart is not like it should be, and you have issues. Am I telling the truth now or am I preaching? That's where we drift to. Prophets, what do prophets do? Prophets come into our midst and make problems for pastors. <laughs> pastors have got enough problems. Prophets come and stir things and creates more problems. And the pastors don't really like the prophets because the prophets just give them extra work. And the evangelist, well, nothing's ever good enough for the evangelist. He just wants more, more, more. I'll tell you a story. This evangelist and this pastor went bear hunting. You heard the story? Into the woods. Lovely. They get to this little cabin. And the pastor opens up. And the, and the evangelist, he's, he's looking, boy. He's wanting. And the pastor, you know the pastors, they clean up. And so takes all the stuff, puts it on the shelves, puts the fridge on, puts the stuff in already. Tonight we'll eat this. And the evangelist says, listen, boy, I'm going to go look for a bear. Because <laughs> that's what we come for. He said, okay, okay, you go, you go. Fifteen minutes later, he hears, open the door. And he looks out the window, and he has the evangelist running for his life with a bear. So he's now working out how grief the bear, the pastor, the evangelist. Um, um, okay, what I'll do is, as he comes through the door, I'll close the door, lock the bear out. No, he's got it. Sus, he's waiting. The evangelist comes, and as he comes through the door, he pushes. The evangelist holds the door open. And the bear comes skidding into the thing, hits the back wall. The evangelist runs out, closes the door, says to the pastor, look after him, I'm going to go fetch his mate. That's, that's why pastors don't like evangelists. Because they just bring the fish. And then we've got to gut them, clean them, scale them, fix them. That's why we need apostles. They remind us of the importance of the gifts that God's given the church. <laughs> Prophets never seem to be satisfied. They've always got issues. Just, just relax. Just, just, just be quiet. One meeting. And I feel God saying, here we go again. I, I, I had my people. I'm a pastor by heart. They come to me one day in my old apostolic field. They said, we need this guy to go. I said, no, no, he's my best guy. They said, yeah, that's why I want him. No, no, but you can't take my best guy. No, no he's going. God, what is, I spent five years training him. Yeah, send him. That's pastors. We gather. And we look after and we become so self-centered and it's our little world. And nobody, we, we, we're enough now. There's 150 visitors. They're visitors? <laughs> Prophets are saying, where are the visitors? The evangelists are saying, go find them. And the apostle is helping us understand why the gifts have been given to the church. Amen? Yeah. I'll 
I'll land with this. I've been going 37 minutes, 40 seconds, and whatever. Apostles are a gift to us from the Lord because they make sure churches are planted on the right foundation. That's why the church, that's why, and, and it sounds like a real brag, that's why I'm telling you Joshua Generation is seen as a church that people model their churches on. I've had some interesting things. I believe you with Joshua Generation now. Yeah. Oh, and I can see they've heard something. I had one lady finally said, well, I heard that a friend of mine and the, the, their daughter's friend, so now it's one, two, three, four down the line. That's gossip on steroids. <laughs> That's, and I knew in their church they had an issue with one of their pastors. So she said, and you know, and this is what I've heard about Joshua Generation. I said, um, is it true that I hear your pastor was, and then there's a bit of silence. She said, yeah. I said, you know what, I'm not interested because it doesn't bother me. It's not my business. And neither is what you saying any of your business because you don't know the truth. That's what, look, I'm as subtle as a brick in the face. I hate religion. I, I, I hate it with a passion. Legalism, poofy stuff. I told him, I think. I had this lady come one morning, come into the building. We had a lovely building. She walked, there she's standing. She looked really down. She said, I said, ah, oh, morning, how are you doing? She said, oh, I've been travailing all night. Now, immediately say that. Everything in me says religious devil approaching. I've sussed it out. She said, I've prayed all night. I've interceded. Now, what she's saying is, you didn't. I didn't. You slept. I prayed. I'm carrying this burden. So I said to her, gee, that's amazing. Chat a little bit, and I would know. It's going nowhere. I said, are you sure you're connected with Jesus? She said, why? I said, because the Bible says in his presence is the fullness of joy. And if you've been with Jesus all night, you're going to be a lot happier than you are now. <laughs> so don't bring your religious garbage and try and lay it on me. That's what the religious spirit does. And the, <laughs> the, 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 the apostles help us with that stuff. Andrew, Andrew can sniff out a religious devil from 50 meters. Got him. They help us. Just build on the foundation. They, they save us from taking shortcuts when elders get appointed. I speak from experience. We need elders. Yeah, we do, yeah. So, we get a little bit of help. Apostles see things we don't see. Apostles open up those gifts for the church like no one else can. That's why they're apostles. That's why we must be devoted to their teaching. They, they keep us from trying to fit square pegs into round holes. Brother, you'll, you'll do well in the kids' work. You really will. I hate kids. No, no, no. Are you, God, you'll grow into it. Now you don't put the wrong person in the wrong place. Speak to the apostle. What do you think? Neil with kids. Forget it. What's he good at? He's good at that. How, how, do, you, how do you know that? Because I'm an apostle, you Wally. I can see it. We can't see it sometimes. You know what I'm saying? We listen to the apostles. They use those gifts. Somebody said to me, we prayed for a guy to have the gift of an evangelist. No, no, wait. I thought, hmm, I don't know. So I want to be an apostle, so you pray for me for the gift of apostleship. 
then you think that I am, and I know I'm not, that's a disaster. No, that gift is given by God supernaturally. Those fivefold ministries are given by God for the church. The other gifts are given so that we function in the body. Those gifts are given to grow, to prepare God's people for works of service. Ephesians 4.12. They save us from getting worn out, burn out. Look at in our, in our situation. Some guys said, you, you're on leave, bro. Three months. No, but I don't, no, you're on leave. Because we see you need to take a break. I've got a friend. He lives in, in Lavender Hill. Sounds beautiful. It's not. <laughs> it's, it's rough. And he ended up coming to the church that I planted called the Bay. And he's a pastor. And he, 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 was, he was ministering there. He'd built a church for 30 years. He'd served the church faithfully. Un- totally unlike we would build a church. He was the pastor and blah, blah, blah. And one night, one night, he just made a big mistake. Went straight to his leadership and said, guys, last night I heard I'll take, you know, six months. I'll just tell me what. They said to him, you're fired. 30 years. And you know why they fired him? Because one guy on the leadership team wanted to be the pastor. That's why you need apostles. So, whoa, 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 whoa. He erred. We love him. Brother stepped down. You know, guys stood in front of congregations and said, look, you know, I erred. I apologize. Please forgive me. Three months later, all of them back. Discipline restores. They disciplined, they kicked him out. Anyway, he, he started visiting the church, and he and I became good mates. I'll tell you this amazing story. His, his wife had a niece in Paul who suffered a similar thing. Her husband also messed about. And this, this lady, six months before their event, wrote a letter to the niece in Paul. But at the time of writing the letter, the, the niece, the, she moved, so she didn't have an address. So the letter was in her handbag. And she couldn't find the address. A year after the niece's husband had had the affair, and six months after her husband had erred, she read the letter that she had written to her niece. And God spoke to her out of the letter she wrote. And she went to her husband and said, I behaved like a proper old Jersey those are cows. Um, and I, you've, you've tried your best and I've just pushed you away. And she said, will you forgive me? Wow. And he wanted to plant another church. I said, no, bro, you cannot until your wife is with you. Now his wife's with him. They've planted a church. And he needed, I'm not an apostle, but because I'm in an apostolic flow, in an apostolic field, I've learned some things. I can help him. I've been doing this for a long time. He didn't know. The people leading him just fired him. 30 years. 30 years. Go. You know what's happened to the church? There's six people left. And they've got a beautiful building. So guess what? We praying we will get the building for this new church. That'll be a turn up for the books. Because now he's also a charismatic. And he speaks in tongues. And he loves the grace message. And he preaches the... God can do anything. That's why we need them. Getting worn out. Balanced diet. You know, what, you, know what, you know what burnout is? It's a disease of the overcommitted who refuse to come to terms with their limitations. 
I keep saying to young guys, you're not God. Don't beat yourself up, man. You're going to make mistakes. God is bigger than our mistakes. You don't make, you don't make mistakes on purpose. That's sin. But you make mistakes. You do things wrong. God's bigger. God, the, the apostles help us. They help us keep us outwardly focused. Pastors and teachers, they like the group. The, 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 the apostle is always talking about the nations. Go on this, do that. Do you remember last night? Go to the nations. Go to the Malawi. Go where? Go, go, go. Because why? It grows you. I've got nothing to give. You've got something to give. Go and you'll see what God does. They challenge us to have a prophetic vision. They help us build governmentally. That's why the early church devoted themselves. They saw it. This is the answer to the world. Let's be honest, folks. The church as we know it, not just in Cape Town, in the world, it's not the answer. They're not the answer. They haven't got it. Too much. 46 minutes, sorry. I try my best, man. I really do. <laughs> but I want, to, I want to say this to you now, in closing. You know, like the Baptists used to say, um, in a nutshell, and lastly, and then they'd last for another 10 minutes, you know. <laughs> Just get over with it, please. If you have felt in your heart that some of the encouraging you to go to the conference or go to the, maybe it's not like this in this congregation, I'm looking at all these beautiful places, it's probably not. And you just felt, gee, you know, just push, push, push. You must ask the Spirit of God to help you be devoted or to devote yourself. We can't push you. We can't kick you in. We, we want to encourage you, but we want God, by the Spirit, to put something in your heart. You know when you got saved? Do you remember when you got saved? Do you remember that day? I remember the day. It was Westway Bethel Baptist Church in Cape Road in, in, in Western in Port Elizabeth. I went there sort of by mistake. God met me. Oops. That changed my life. And I devoted myself to it. Devote 50 years next year I'm a Christian God's been faithful have I been so good no I've blown it man on so many fronts but God's good God's good I haven't sinned seriously just so I can see you think what was that I've had one wife my whole life one woman that's me that's okay I got drunk sometimes and I smoked not weed, didn't do drugs, didn't steal anybody's money, never ran anybody over in the street, wanted to, but didn't, you know. I was okay, I was okay. But while I've been a Christian, I've made mistakes, and God helps me. And apostolically now, I see they correct us all the time. Help. You think, no, but the Word does it, no? The, the Word is there to be unearthed. You know what I read this morning? Luke 16, that, that, that shrewd manager. You know that story? And, he, and he's, he does his boss in. And, he's, and Jesus said, there's a shrewd guy. I think he, what are you talking about? He's an imposter. How can he be a shrewd guy? And then I read up about it. And in those days, what they did was they weren't allowed to charge interest in things they lent or loaned. So they'd say it's like 500 rand for that. But he would say, no, it's 700 rand. And that would be the interest, just, it's, that's the price. So his manager said to the, okay, you owe 700, you pay five. You owe eight, you pay four. You, 
and he took off all the extras that the boss, so he slid the boss, and the boss said, you're a clever guy, eh? I like you. Jesus said he's a good man. Right? You see how confusing it is for us mere mortals to read the Word of God. We need apostolic help. Open it up for us. Open your home. I mean, if you don't open your home now, then you were deaf. And Mark, you know, we need it. Devote yourselves to the apostolic teaching. Otherwise, you drift. You don't want to drift. You want to stand the foundation. You want to build it according to God's plan. Lord, we thank you that you gave us a plan. Thank you that we belong to the apostolic field that we do belong to. Thank you for your gracious, gracious kindness to us in bringing us into a situation like this where, Lord, your word is revered, where your presence is honored, where grace abounds, where kindness is shown, where there's family, where there's friendships, where there's, we're being prepared, we're so happy, we're so excited that you're with your church. Thank you so much that we're not in situations Lord, where, we, where it's actually just not even a pleasure to go. But out of legalistic discipline, we go because we think it's the right thing. Thank you we want to be in these things. We want to be there. We want to be with our brothers and sisters. We honor you. We bless you. Pray, Holy Spirit, won't you continue to pour into our lives and give us a desire, a longing to be devoted, Lord, devoted, devoted to the apostolic teaching, to the fellowship, to prayer, and to the breaking of bread, so that you, Jesus, get glorified, and we get encouraged. We ask you that for your name, in your name, in the name of every name above every name. The name of Jesus, you know, unlocks heaven. Oh, he's unlocking heaven. Lord, we come in that name. Won't you, won't you pour out gifts today, Lord? Oh, Lord, there's people, yeah, that, that do desire. Oh. The Bible says, eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Eagerly desire. Lord, I pray. I pray you pour out. Oh, just bring gifts to people, Lord. They, they're the gifts of the Spirit. they Holy Spirit gifts. And Lord, let character match the gift. And let the gift match the character, I pray. Thank you, Lord. It's both and. It's not either or. We're not just fruit of the Spirit people. or gifts of the Spirit people. We're fruit and Spirit. We're word and Spirit people. Speak to our hearts. Take us further than we think we've ever been. That Jesus, you get glorified. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. 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 God bless you.